Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Drunken Mustache Podcast. Good um, evening. It's 8 o'clock at night. They don't know that. They could be listening at any time of the day. Yes, I, I don't think that's disrespectful in any way, shape or form. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? You want to repeat that a little louder? I'm good, man. We good. Dude, I'm family, dude. I'm a weeby myself, baby. If Animazement was going on this year, I'd be there front and center every day. I, I am. Thursday night. I too am yeah, very dude, sad that we're not doing Animazement this year. Weekend. That's so sad, for real. Yeah, I'm kind of torn up about that. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, we've gone for pretty much every year for the last, like, five, six years. I mean, I missed one year, but still. Like an amateur. I mean, I was with my fiancé at the time, so it was worth it. Just kidding. Okay. Oh, that's the guy who's getting married in, like, three months. Hopefully. Does it, uh, yeah, that's true. If Corona didn't have anything to say about it. Does it count as missing this year if they didn't even have it this year? That's what I, I'm asking about. Because I don't want... I, I don't want the streak to end just because they they didn't decide to go against it. I mean, I haven't had a streak. Kevin has the streak, but yes, I guess yeah, he's still technically alive. If you're only going when it is available, That's I mean, we, we are we would have already bought our tickets by now. Oh, it's <laughs> completely canceled. They didn't yeah. postpone it. No, they didn't postpone it. They completely canceled. Yeah, no yeah it's canceled. It's unlike Brugaloo, which has just been postponed to. Uh, August, where nobody can attend it, so that's that's rough. Well, I mean, and Brugaloo's in the middle of fucking street in Raleigh. I mean, the convention center, I'm sure, is packed. Getting everyone that makes that convention so good between all the speakers and all the artists is probably hard to do again. Uh, stop making up excuses for them, Ozzy. That's not. This is so unlike you to be like, oh. I want to give Animazement an excuse because that is one of the conventions that I will always go to. Because <laughs> Oh, okay, excuse me, yes. I mean, but I, I'm not, it, it wasn't good because I wasn't there. It was good because I just never went. Like that time we saw LeVar Burton at... Whiskey. Hell yeah, dude, that shit went wild, dude. Yeah, LeVar Burton was just magically fucking at what, Whiskey Kitchen. Don't never go to again, but that's a different story. I mean, I've never really had, I mean, I had a drink and it was fine, but I didn't really think it was that great. So, with that in mind, uh, let's get back to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we decided, since we're doing another COVID cast, uh, to uh, just take some of our favorite mixed drinks or some classic mixed drinks and talk about some of our uh, favorite uh, albums or just albums that make us feel good to listen to. So I guess I guess is what we were going. I was told to pick an album that I liked. Yeah. Yes, that, that is the that is what we went with. Oh, you picked an album that you liked. Yeah, there you go. So it's all it's, it's not a feel good album. <laughs> I'm a t- Blue October coming up next. Hell yeah, baby! Oh my oh, gosh. Jump into the ocean, baby, into the ocean, end it all. So I guess Ozzy is in the unique position because I didn't realize this, but you actually made all of our drinks or most of our drinks and tried them out so i made all three 
You did? Oh, wow, Kevin. Oh, my gosh. I feel like a disappointment. I only made mine, but... Uh... I legit, like, a couple hours ago, went to the liquor store, 54, dropped, like, 50 bucks to get everything I needed. But I, I didn't really want to make a, like I said, a, what's it called, a, a old-fashioned. I don't know, I didn't want to... I'm going to tell you why you're wrong when it comes to me. So, Kevin, for our... For our listeners out there, Kevin decided to make a old fashioned. Ozzy decided to make a was it gin and uh, what's it called? Gin Jimlin. Gin Jimlin. Giblet. Giblets? Yeah. Gin, lime, and fucking simple syrup. So it's just a pretty basic gin drink. And I decided to go with the white Russian uh, because I am, in fact, uh, a white Russian. So, anyway, um, but yeah, uh, Kevin, I guess, I didn't realize y'all were going 120% on this. Kevin, since you've uh, tried them all, do you want to kind of go into it? I mean, I don't think you understand that I have all these at my house. Yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, the hardest thing was to just use half and half. Like, that was the one thing that I normally don't. I was I was about to say that was the hardest ingredient for me to find as I got all the alcohol. Heavy cream is hard to come by. Oh hell yeah, dude! Oh, yeah, I all right. That. So, anyways, uh, the rundowns, I guess. Um, I'll go over y'all's twos first and what I thought and what I always think because I had had all these drinks before. Um, we'll start with a white Russian. Um, personally, I have to be in the mood for a white Russian. It's very heavy drink. Uh, the, the half and half and the sweetness of the Kahlua uh, uh, really kind of take over. That being said, it's a very good drink. Um, I usually try to add a little extra vodka to thin it out. Um, but it's something I have to be in the mood for. I, it ends up tasting kind of like chocolate milk to me. Um, and really? I keep trying to add like something else to it like a Bailey's or Amarula and I always end up not liking it as much so I think that it's pretty set to where it needs to be so Uh, before we go on to the next one so I talked with Shamley about this or Shambly or whatever you want to shambles but she actually brought up something I had never heard of she's like you make a white Russian and you pour like root beer into it and it tastes like a root beer float. And I was like, I don't know. You can do that with anything with a fucking white Russian because it's literally a milkshake and add whatever you want. Is that... I'm just like, that sounds kind of gross. Yeah, it sounds... It's from the soda and how much cream is in there. It sounds kind of... Yeah. You'd have to drink it pretty fast. If you mix it, if you mix it immediately, I feel like it would probably be... Also, to loop back around to what I've already said, I, it's a very heavy and sweet drink to begin with. I wouldn't say it's a sweet drink, I guess. You get some sweetness through there. There's not a whole lot of sour to cut through it. And then you're going to add root beer on top of it. So that's going to also bump up the sweetness. I'd rather you take the essence of the root beer. So like some sort of like a, a mint liqueur or if you can find a sassafras bitter or something so you don't add so much more sugar to that drink then I'd probably be okay Hmm. it would probably go good it would be more like a thin mint than uh, just a regular chocolate chocolate 
Okay. Well, I'll keep that in mind. But um, what's so? What's the next one you want to describe? Uh, the gimlet is uh, so funny. Story. I was looking up recipes for this uh, the other night, and just just so I could make one. And I had made one before, but I wanted to see what was on there. And you know, the the gimlet comes in a very specific glass every time you see the picture of it, and. So I found a recipe. It was like one part sweet lime juice to two parts gin. Easy drink. Shake it up. Shaking it is like an important part to it. It adds to the mouthfeel of it. And it kind of gets that citrus, you know, kind of involved a lot more. Um, I've done it without the simple syrup, just straight lime juice, but... So they come into a glass, and I couldn't think of the name of the glass. It turns out it's called a cocktail glass, um, which is ridiculous, I think. It's a cocktail glass, whatever. But when I pulled that up, it had four parts gin to one part lime juice. I did not make that one. Part gin to one part? That, that, that's a little heavy, dog. Really- yeah, that's a little heavy. I did not make that one. It's kind of like when you find these wild martini uh, recipes online. It's like six parts gin to one part vermouth or something stupid like that. <laughs> that's just I, like... I, I found that before, and it's... I tried it, and it's not... We just want um, you to get blasted. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, so just funny. chug a bottle of gin. <laughs> um, but anyways... That, so I made it that's with, aggressive. That's real aggressive. I made it about... So one of the, the way I made my sweet lime juice was half and half lime juice to simple syrup, and then added two shots of gin to that. I guess I can go over the lime uh, how I made it, but um, I don't measure that. But uh, you know, it turned out very good. Uh, you know, a heavy shaking, and I think my fiance doesn't agree. She could do without the simple syrup, but I think the simple syrup is very necessary, and it, and it kind of rounds out. The drink. It was very good. It runs out the gin, right? I mean, I feel like the gin is just very, it, very straightforward, and the simple syrup kind of like tames it a little bit. It cuts the sourness a lot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, gin's a that tricky. Was my favorite part about the simple syrup because I have, like Kevin, I have done both, where without the simple syrup, because I started doing that, and then Emily started adding simple syrup to her mixture, and it just, it really does kind of like completes it. Yeah, it's it really kind of just brings it all together. Um, also very, I like the gimlet, so I used to not like, uh, gin, uh, but now I do, because I keep drinking it more, and, uh, Well, I mean, you find one that you like, I think that gin is, like, such a big, it's, there's so yeah. many, and, like, when you find one, that's what happened to me, I found one that I really enjoyed, and I was like, alright, let me try it a little bit more, and I found a couple that I like, so I like gin now, because I found one that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I'll agree with that, because I used to think that Beef Eater was the go-to gin. Like, that was... I don't like Beef Eater, dog. But Beef Eater is so dry. There yeah, is just something is. about it that I do it's not like. extremely dry. I like Aviation Bot. Aviation's great. And Drum, Drum Shampoo, the gunpowder gin, is what we currently uh, cycle through at the house. I actually like the um, one that's local to Raleigh, the Pine Top one that's made locally. Actually, that's the one that actually got me into drinking gin consistently. There's a good, there's a good Shout liquor from North Carolina because I haven't I mean, had one yet. I'm telling you, man, that pine top one is just good. It's just, it's just a good gin, it's flavorful and it's refreshing. It's not like overly done. It's, it's just good. Yeah, well, that's good to hear because every bourbon I've ever had, or not bourbon, whiskey I've ever had from North Carolina. Not to say that you can't make bourbon in North Carolina. That's you can do that, 
Um, you can make tequila in the United States, but I guarantee it won't be good. So this this place is at 1053 East Whitaker Road. Is this the next place we're going to take a tour of once they open back up? It's actually right beside... Um, no, it's right... I mean, when I went to Pine Top, it was right beside the place... Uh, what's it called? Um, Linwood uh, Concern. It is. Oh yeah, there is. Oh yeah. I yeah, I tore I toured them one day with my my, my in laws, and that's when I tried it. And their bourbon was shit. It was bad. They're down the road from. Yeah. I'm not exactly familiar, but they're down the road from Snoopy's Hot Dogs and More. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, you, it's, you, a, it's you in the same there. industrial complex. Yeah. yeah. We went to Linwood Burn, and it's right, literally right beside it. And their gin, I was actually really surprised how good it was, but their bourbon was shit. Oh, you're right. It's most, next to... Most people's whiskeys are bad. It's on yeah. uh, 1053 Dock. Yeah, you're right. That is, like, in yeah. the same complex. Okay. They get free tours and free tastings, like, every couple hours on, like, Saturdays and Sundays or something like that. Ah, They're well, like once, they, once they open back up, we gotta go. There you go. Problem solved. I mean, I've already been. It's the same spiel every time. It's just like, here's how we do it. It's, it takes, like, 30 minutes, not even. And then they give you a couple samples. But it was dope. Like I said, I, that's the gin I actually kind of grew to like and have been drinking it ever since. Yeah. Um, so back to the Gimlet, my, my thoughts on the Gimlet. I think it's, if you're trying to get into cocktails and making them at home, the Gimlet is one of the easiest cocktails that you're going to you're gonna get. It's like three ingredients unless you buy sweet lime juice, and it's you're down to two. Um, and... It's, you know, it's very approachable, and it's very good. Like, it's, it, you know, accents the herbs and the gin uh, with the lime and the sourness and the sweetness. You can, they, you kind of all play together. Um, I think that that's one of the main selling points of a gimlet if people don't know uh, what a gimlet is. Uh, I think it's very approachable if you ever want to do it at home or, or at a bar. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's very easy. Um, each, you know, like two or three ingredients. Um, I think that's uh, what attracted us to it. Honestly. Back to the White Russian, I usually do like two shots of vodka, uh, like somewhere with like a, th- a three-quarter shot of Kahlua, and then I just kind of pour in some half and half until I feel like it's okay. Yeah, that's uh, typically it's like two parts vodka, one part Kahlua, and then however much... Uh, it, it like says it, it says a, I think most instructions will say like a splash of uh, you know you need, cream. It's way more than that. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I definitely do a splash. I, I don't I don't like a lot. I like I like it to be brown, and I like it to be I don't know I, I don't want it to be too much. I, I tend to and find all of those things ends up being too sweet because the glue overpowers everything. I I tend to think it depends on the person really more so than anything. Because uh, I think most of the people in my family prefer, like, more cream because they like to have it smoother. I personally am not as big a fan of putting shoving a, as much cream in, as possible into a drink. But, hey, you know, to each their own. I don't know. I'm, I'm a bigger on the cream fan because then it's a, a creamy vodka drink with an accent of Kahlua. That's where it ends up for me, which is what I like. But, you know. See, I like to have, a, you said three quarters of Kahlua. I like to have a full one. No, it's too much. See, that's the thing. I think, I think like, I, I, that's what I like about 
the white Russian to me, at least. And that's what you're right that it's a very uh, kind of in the moment kind of feel for it. Like you can't drink that every day or anytime you want to because it's so sweet, right? It's literally a sugary drink. No, I'm not, I've had pretty much when the Big Lebowski's on. I mean, that was the reason I like White Russians is because it was one of the first cocktails that I really like, like got into at uh, Las in Las Vegas when I went when I went and visited Las Vegas. I was, you know, twenty, I think maybe twenty one, like barely twenty one. Um, and you know, back in the day, I really wasn't into drinking a lot. I mean, I, I drank beer, and you know, I drank couple of some liquor usually straight not really big into cocktails um just half the time it was like oh, i'll just take a jack and coke whatever and yeah. i i got into white russians just because it seemed okay and man that's all i got for like five days straight at las vegas so much and fat. oh yes that's the thing they had so much fat and they didn't really go heavy on the vodka but once i started making my own i really liked it i enjoyed them but I still like that heavy on the Kahlua. Not really, not heavy. It's just a little bit more than, you know, like I said, three quarters versus one. It's not like it's a whole lot more, but it's just a little bit more on the Kahlua side. Yeah, I guess. That's, that's one of the things that I try to cut down on the sweetness there. I like, I want to taste more of that vodka. I'm going to go make that real quick. Yeah, I guess that's also uh, one of my problems with it is just that because of the heaviness, I like to cut down. On how much cream you put in there. Oh, wow, I'm getting feedback from Ozzy's. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, because uh, if you put too much cream in there, it'll, like, soak into your... It just fills you up too quickly. Um, like you said, it is a very heavy drink. Um, so yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons I don't like it when I add... Make, like, a mudslide. So basically, the same idea, um, but you instead of cream, you use Bailey's. Um, so basically you've taken something that was already sweet and you replaced the one thing that was all fat with something that's fat and sugar. And that's, I think it just tips it too far. Like I could cut back on the clue, I guess, but it just tips it a little too far for me. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also kind of like you said, you got to be in the mood for it. It's very much a... The other two drinks y'all picked are very much like standard, go to a bar, kind of have a drink situations. Yeah. This is a dessert drink. This is like a... Very much so. Yeah, this is very specifically something you do, you know, after you've had like a light dinner or something to kind of tide you over. But or, yeah. you know, it, it'll pair well with, uh, you know, a coffee dessert or, uh, you know, an ice cream or something like that it'll take you could take the the creaminess with it so if you had like a crumble with an ice cream on top it helps so you get the tartness from the fruit and then the ice cream and then what pairs it together with the sweetness you know you, you can do a couple things with it, but yeah it's very much a dessert beverage i wouldn't which one are we talking about sorry we're, still, we're talking about the white rush uh, pretty much a dessert beverage you're right uh but you, you could do a lot with it um i think like you, you know you can make changes here or there but in the end you're still ending up with creamy vodka with some coffee or it comes across as chocolate to me but uh, i think that's yeah. also the nice part is it's is it simplicity and it's kind of hard to screw up at the same time um although you know not for lack of trying i'm sure there's some recipes out there that are just like shove as much vodka in as possible you know but yeah, well, I think it's definitely, it's 
definitely the simplicity of it, and I do like the sweetness of it. I mean, I like, I don't, I don't like sugary drinks when it comes to like fruity drinks. You know, like daiquiris and you know. Uh, Pina coladas, baby, they're so good. Pina coladas. Ah, uh, I would have made pina. Like, for some reason, this, this, I think maybe it's because of the milkshakey like. Uh, it's the fat. It's the fat. It's the fat. Yeah, that's, I guess that's what it is. It's, it's, it's just, it just tastes way better to me than any of those other drinks. I don't know. I would have yeah, done. Pina colada, you get close with the coconut milk with all the fat in that. But. Well, also, I like pineapple for sure. Yeah, I would have done pina coladas, but it just didn't mix well with everything else because it was really simple and this one's like, you got to grind up ice with a bunch of other stuff. I don't know. Well, the only reason... If you excuse like, to make a pina colada, I'll do it. <laughs> like pina coladas but i'd rather just have tequila like honestly i don't i don't really like a lot of mixed drinks with tequila i'd rather just have tequila i don't know what it is do you put tequila in your pina coladas apparently apparently he does what, yeah what am i gonna put rum yeah it's rum that's your problem right? <laughs> i'm thinking of something else then I was about to say, like, what are you... This is some weird pina colada recipe. I'm not yeah, familiar with tequila. Oh, I'm thinking of margaritas. I don't know why I was thinking of margaritas with <laughs> pina coladas. <laughs> I heard pina coladas, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, tequila and all that shit. I'm like, wait a second. You're right. I mean, that is the, uh, what is it? The three chilled drinks of uh, margaritas, pina coladas, and daiquiris. So, yeah, you got... Getting all three in there. All right. But uh, yeah, we, I think we've talked about the White Russian enough. Um, we touched on the Gimlet if you want to go back into that. But why don't we go into the old old fashioned? Well, I, I do want to say something about the Gimlet. I guess because it was the drink I chose. I will say that the reason I like it over the three is because it, it is more refreshing than the other three, the other two. I think, it's, I think the gin and the lime help it. Like Every time I have it, it just feels refreshing. It, it doesn't feel like I'm trying to like one sweet and the other one i mean the old-fashioned is is not sweet but it's i don't don't know how i feel about the old-fashioned i was telling logan earlier that i'd rather really just have you know bourbon or whiskey on its own than have the old-fashioned i mean it's a good drink but um i can't drink gin on its own i can't drink vodka on its own so i think that's the difference and i i do like like you you were saying that simple syrup is just adding that extra it completes the drink as a whole, and I could I could drink a lot of those, honestly. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you that, that the Gimlin is uh, much more of a refreshing uh, drink. I would say if I'm going to sit outside in the heat oh, yeah. for several hours, oh. I probably wouldn't. I would I never have a fucking white Russian in the heat. Yeah, no, you'd die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the I mean, anything with lime, anything that's got that citrus kick to it. Yeah, that citrus kick is definitely what helps, for sure. And that's why sometimes I like to drink the, what's it called? What's that uh, carbonated citrus drink? Sprite. No, it's like that uh, calorie-free one. Uh, LaCroix? No. Hints of a hint of lime? (laughs) No, uh, Fresca. Fresca. Fresca and gin. Never had Fresca. I've had Fresca. It's just not good. Oh, I like it with gin. I don't like it all the time. Well, all right. Well, yeah. When I make when I make my gin drink, I usually do gin, elderflower liqueur, and I'll add some ginger ale and probably like some red basil. Like What's elderflower? Tastes like just sweet and kind of floral. Is that like a Saint liqueur or something? Yeah. Right. Yeah, Saint Germain's is. Well, oh, okay, okay. I'm not. 
right. that's that's all off time. To the main right. point, my my drink of choice is the old fashioned, and I think that it's one of the best drinks that are out there. And I think um, I'm gonna fight for the versatility of the drink, and I'll tell you why. Um, so first of all, apparently in 1862, the first uh, recipe that came up for an old fashioned uh, didn't even have bourbon in it. It was a gin drink. Holy shit. Um, well, first I want to show you respect. Like, Ozzy, he did research on his fucking drink. Did we do... That's did you that's Did fair. you do no, I mean, research? I didn't, really, I didn't really think I needed research on mine. It's just refreshing. Okay, so back to the story. But, 18... It's called an old-fashioned for a reason. It's old-fashioned. Back to the story. Eight, six, 1862. Back to the story. 1862, it was the same. So the overall recipe for a current old-fashioned is bitters, uh, either a sugar cube that's muddled with the bitters uh, i use simple syrup um an orange uh usually a peel and then um bourbon uh a shot of bourbon or two um but originally it was gin uh, everything else stayed the same you had a lemon peel um, but it was gin and then you know after a while you know somebody who was a gin aficionado came around and was like well alright so this is just uh, I'm sorry a bourbon aficionado uh, put bourbon in there and it was 1895 um, was the next time it was published and when it was published again it was uh, a jigger whiskey instead of gin and from there on it kind of just held up to it so you go back to your basic recipe you got sugar bitters, bourbon, and then some fruit. I think it's one of the most versatile cocktails that are out there, and you'll see this because every time you go to a bar or, you know, a fancy restaurant that serves mixed drinks, you're going to have either an old-fashioned on the menu or you're going to have what they call a new-fashioned, and it's they've changed the old-fashioned by one ingredient, and they're calling it a new-fashioned, and it's usually because... They are average at best at making an old-fashioned. Um, but I think it's very versatile because of the things that you can do. Um, first of all, I mean, bourbon's very wide in the range of flavors you can get from it, but the mainstays are there. You got caramel, uh, you got vanilla, um, and then you can get some high-proof ones and packs of heat. So you get, you know... And then you get your sour mashes that have a sour note to them, and then you can have all... you can change it out with rye you're still in the whiskey realm um going to the bitters it calls for angostura bitters which is if i'm not mistaken like a bunch of herbs and bark that's just kind of boiled down and if you go onto the market i mean even there's one in raleigh called crude bitters every kind of bitter under the sun like any flavor you want you can find a bitter about it which is basically just concentrated flavor um and what this does is it kind of fills in the gaps um of the drink so between bourbon and sugar you kind of and then the citrus note it kind of fills in what's what's missing so i use angostura which is you know like herbs and bark and stuff but you know, I know they sell, you know, walnut, chocolate, uh, grapefruit. They have all sorts of different flavors. So that adds to the versatility of the drink. 
the simple syrup aspect of it. Um, I personally don't use simple syrup currently. I have some maple syrup that's been aged Ooh. in. Hey, uh, are you big dog? I have some maple syrup that's been aged in Pappy Van Winkle barrels. Um, and, and so I use a little bit less because it's and more sweet, but you can change the flavors a little bit on that as well. Just, you know, this, the way the one I have, the maple syrup adds, you know, that maple syrup flavor, but it also adds the oak, a little bit of extra depth to it to help bring out the thing, the, the drink. And then you have the citrus note. I usually just do a peel um, in mine and kind of get some of the uh, oils off the, off the fresh peel. Uh, do a twist in there and it helps um, the aroma and it, you get a little bit of the flavor from the oil in there but I mean I've seen people just take a sugar cube and muddle it with you know a slice of orange that'll bring up your citrus flavors so I think that there's a lot that you can do with the old fashioned um, and I think it's very personalized I'm just a whiskey lover to begin with I think that, you know, you can make it as strong or as weak as you want and still get away with a good drink. Um, it is a very, it is a very, you know, like, alcohol-forward drink. It's not something like a whiskey ginger or something that you can drown it completely out. So you want to use, like, your mid- to high-shelf bourbon in this. Um, but, you know, it's going to be... Time after time, once you get like the ratios down, you can do some experimenting. Like I said, some of the different flavors for the bitters you can throw in there. Some of the different fruits that you can buy to put in there. Well, but, I, all, I think all those other flavors help accent the bourbon in general, right? Yeah, like that's what that's what you're saying. It's like, you know, it's it's not that the other flavors overpower, or it helps enhance the bourbon to a different level, rather than everything. Other drinks that we've had, you know, the you know the Kahlua makes it sweet. The you know, the, the lime helps it make it bright and refreshing. This is just like everything else helps that bourbon just kind of come to life. Yeah, and you can and you can really just take your bourbon to a different area. If you want to take the whole drink to a citrus, you're able to do that with the ingredients in it. And then if you want to take it down to just like pure oak, you're going to, you know, really just have, you know, really have the bourbon be the accent yeah. for the oak, and you can make it a deep, heavy drink if you want, and then you can have it a bright, kind of fruity, still have, you know, the background of the whiskey in there. Yeah, and, I agree. I definitely think that it is a little bit more versatile, and I think the bourbon is still the lead factor in this uh, drink. Well, I think this is speaking more to the versatility of the bourbon itself, but I mean, yeah, it's a very unique drink with all the different stylings you can kind of get out of it. For something uh, that's called an old-fashioned, they've definitely taken the time and changed. You know, they, they've experimented. And I personally think that the maple syrup version is one of my favorites in there. So I would give uh, all the listeners at home, if you're of legal drinking age, don't, it, it don't, matter. don't uh, do the same amount of maple syrup as simple syrup because you will have a drink that is so sweet you can't stand it um but um you can always just add more bourbon and it'll dilute it right out uh trust me well on the plus side if you do use too much maple syrup you can always just put whatever you just made on pancakes and it'll taste delicious yeah so (laughs) you know you can reduce it down 
have a nice flavor or you know coat some food in it and you know like a and some sort of beef or pork tenderloin and slap it on that if you really want to but yeah no that's why i think it's one of the it's a very simple drink but you can get to you know all sorts of different levels with it if you really want to and the true to form by the book recipe will always be good depending on the bourbon that you put in it. If you put shitty bourbon, you're going to get shitty drink out of it. But like I think that time we went to the fucking, uh, what was that place we went to for John's, uh, John's bachelor party? You had a shitty fucking old-fashioned? How do you fucking Watson Ward. Watson Ward, man, that place gone downhill. It was a cocktail bar, too. Like, they used to be good, and then they just went super downhill. Like, all the bros and all the college kids found out about it, and stop going because they stop making good drinks yeah usually once the bros start getting a hold of something uh they don't care as much about the technique because bros will drink anything you know yeah i mean i'm paying twelve dollars for a mixed drink i expect you to have not previously made it in a giant carafe and pour into a glass (laughs) wow that's uh yeah that's kind of sad uh I mean, I get why they did it is because they have so much fucking business. Clearly, everyone loves them, but like, it's that's not the way you should do it. I'd rather wait the extra time at Atlantic Lounge and have, have a good drink because they know what they're doing up there, and wait the extra time. All right, so yeah, True. That's, that's my spiel on the old fashioned. Uh, Ozzy, if you want to chime in. I, think- I mean, I agree with a lot of things you said about <clears throat> just, like, how versatile it is. It is a drink that I like having. Um, it's just, when I go out, I like having it. You know, it's not it's not a go-to drink at home because a lot of times when I'm drinking, it's to be refreshed or because I'm in the mood for something. And that's why a white Russian maybe might hit a little bit more home. Um, but a good old-fashioned is really hard to beat because, you know, it, it, at the same time, like you were saying, it's very complex with all the flavors that it adds to the bourbon. It's also kind of simple. Like, you're still getting that bourbon that you want, but all these other flavors kind of, like, enhance it. So it's not like you're getting a crazy amount of sweetness or a crazy amount of citrusy. It's, like, balance in a way. It's, and, it's and my that's what I like down drink. It. Yeah, I will. It's, a good, it's, a good, it's a definitely a good wine-down drink, like I said. Nightcap. The only comment I'll add is that I think it's, again, if you don't like bourbon, it's you're not going to like the drink. There's just nothing you can do about that. Whereas with... I would, I would say I could probably make a, a bourbon or an old-fashioned that somebody might would like if they didn't like bourbon. Okay. I, with that. I, think, I think that's a good way to get into bourbon, maybe. And I think that's a good way to just appreciate bourbon without being a straight bourbon drinker. Yeah. It'd yeah. be tough. And you would have to, I think, you would get almost far far enough away from the drink to where you would tell them that it's not, someone would argue that it's not old-fashioned anymore. But I think you can do it. Like, you know, add a certain type of bitters, uh, a, like a, an infused simple syrup that's, you yeah, know, you have a lot to play with. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you got some a lot of wiggle room for something yeah, that's sure. from 1862 and it initially didn't have <laughs> bourbon in it, but... It's definitely for like you like you were saying earlier for calling it old fashioned. It still has stayed modern and kind of true to its name at the same time. Like it's still it's still relevant. 
right? Well, yeah. I, th- I think it's also just that it's been around so long that people have had the chance to toy around with it and get different ideas about That's true. how exactly yeah. we're going to make this. And also, I mean, it's uh, it's not so f- firmly right. regimented that, like, as Kevin pointed out, changing a little bit will change the entire drink. Whereas if you change, you know, as he said earlier, if you change some aspects of the White Russian, you turn it into... Uh, was it landslide? Uh, mudslide. Mudslide, sorry. Yeah, so, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, there's a lot of overlap in there, and I don't want to tell everybody that this is the best drink ever and nobody can fuck it up, because I've been to... Sure, I've been to uh, <laughs> I've been to a, a many of places and had... I've, I've had a lot that I did not enjoy. I wouldn't order them again. Um... But it's one of those things where quit dying. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't die Uh, on stream. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, But it it is one of those things where it's like when it's bad, it's it's pretty bad, and then when it's great, it's one of the best things because it just hits all the notes for me. I mean, everybody has their own taste. Yeah. Some people won't won't taste me like this is shit. Go, you know, go on their way, but I think so, there's a lot of a lot of room in there, and I think it's delicious. So I think it's yeah. Um, with all that said, I think we've pretty much hit on all the drink topics. So let's go ahead and move on to the music. So this, Hell yeah, baby. So this week on the docket, we've got Hybrid Theory by Lincoln Park. Uh, Kevin chose that one. We've got Melophobia by Cage the Elephant, uh, which was. Ozzy's choice, and then we've got Prolonging in the Magic by Cake, which was my choice. Um, I guess uh, if y'all are comfortable, I'll go ahead and lead off. Um, so, yeah, that's good. I'm going to go grab a beer. I'll be right back. So Cake's... Uh, Ozzy has obviously had a strong opinion on this one. I think Cake... Just, don't worry about what I got to say. I will, I will, I will make sure to chime in. Go ahead. <laughs> Cake's... Your thoughts are okay. um, so Cake's an interesting band uh, because obviously... Uh, They've, they've kind of got two sides of the spectrum. They're kind of polarizing. I think if you ask most people, they'll be like, oh, I know Cake. You don't really know Cake. You know like a couple of songs they play, probably Going the Distance or uh, uh, Short Skirt and a Long Jacket. But uh, I tend to find most people haven't actually listened to um, a real Cake album uh, because their music diversity is kind of strange, and I think that's kind of the draw of the band in general is that everything they do is kind of strange. The vocals are strange, um, and their music stylings are kind of all over the place, ranging from country music to kind of some kind of weird hip hoppy genre. And this particular album. I think it's got some of their better songs, like uh, Let Me Go and uh, Where Your Fingers Go, um, which kind of hit on the high tempo, uh, especially heavy bass line kind of songs, which really draws you in. And the vocals can be distracting, but at the same time, they do build on some of those interesting songs it's kind of a it's kind of a uh the contrast kind of plays into the song itself if that makes any sense which is uh unique now it doesn't work in every song though and i think uh 
as Ozzy will probably point out, you know, a lot of the samey kind of slow tempo songs do not match well uh, with the vocals because the guy is extremely monotone and doesn't seem to carry well, a tune again, at all. I think I think yeah. you're right in what you're saying, but I think what you were just saying about the monotone part, I think it's the vocals part that kind of kind of like kills the song sometimes because I think musically it's it's still good. It's just my personal taste the vocals just kind of kill my my mood at the time well i guess my thing is it's like sometimes it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't in the slow songs where you just have nothing to go on aside from the vocals it's really hard to ignore and it's drives me crazy like i think um what's cool blue reason i hate that song because it's so slow and all you have to listen to is the guy singing quote-unquote singing and it's it's really just bland and awful and does nothing whereas well, if you, yeah, you can agree with my statement about like the singing part is the worst part yeah where well when whereas it, cut it down when brass tax comes down to it and you listen to the guy singing and that's all you get you're fucking bored Oh no! It's just—it's just not What'd you good. Say, Kevin? Said I love it. I love the way he sings. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of it, but I absolutely I mean, love it. In a meme way, I can understand, but like, can you take that all the time? Like, can you listen to the entire? Like, what was your take on listening to the entire album? Uh, I enjoyed, like, like Logan said, I did not like the Cool Blue Reason, and Where I Would Be was okay, but most of it I really enjoyed, actually. I think other, other than those two, and then Alpha Beta Part One was okay, but the rest of it I enjoyed it because it's so like the lyrics are so weird. Yeah. I couldn't imagine myself going to a concert. I feel like it would be the most boring concert I've ever been. To Thank you, life. and I, I think that's the way I, I I look at it. Like I don't. I think sometimes we have. But I with with this round of music, I did a. I it wasn't like a let's listen to it in the background because. We, we listen to these because we like these. So I listened to this music and I listened to it. It wasn't like, oh, it's in the background. So I sat here and listened to it and experienced, like, what would this be like listening to it live? Or what is it? What are they trying to say? And I just thought this would be boring half the time. I, I, I get that. It would be a very boring show. And I, I don't argue that point with you. But I still, I mean, coming from me, I usually listen to these albums, like, once and then kind of throw in some you know a little bit of commentary here but i listened to everyone's album at least twice this time and it's because of how much i enjoyed it and i've really enjoyed this cake i had only ever heard like three cake songs yeah never there uh yeah never there i heard that short skirt long jacket and then what was the, the main one going the distance or whatever yeah yeah. yeah, they always those are the those are the big three. Yeah, but so I was like, all right, I get it, I get this cake sound, but I didn't realize it was like when we went and did the doors. Uh, I didn't realize that that were that weird in all of their songs. Well, and to be fair, I think that's as Kevin pointed out. I think that's what people like about them is they are very strange and. They're, the vocal stylings can be relatable in a weird way where it's like you don't have to be a good singer to uh, you know vocalize all the stuff that he's singing it's it's weird but it it kind of draws you in in a in some kind of strange way that's hard to describe I don't know 
I don't know that even I can put it accurately into words other than it, it is very strange. Um, well, I, I agree that I think his, because he's, his voice is so unique, it helps you draw, it helps it draw you in. And I, I, I do, I, I think that's what I got for the first couple songs. I'm like, okay, well, where are we going with this? But I think one of the downfalls with this album was it was a little too long because I don't think there's enough diversity in the, like, musically, this is, this is, this is, Kind of the duality of the album is that musically, I think there's a there's a great amount of diversity between, you know, you have kind of like a hip hop driven song like Never There, and then you have something like country ish like with um, what was it? Was it Let Me Go? I forgot which one it was. Uh, it alpha, like, alpha Beta Parking Lot maybe or it was whatever. Alpha Beta, yeah. It had some kind of like almost country ish like like twang to it, and then I really really enjoyed the highlight of it is their instrumentation when they added like the trumpet stuff and like little nuances in their songs i think that's what makes them good and i think that's what makes cake unique it's uh, uh it's interesting it <laughs> it's interesting it we did uh i know we already did the cover song album but they actually do a cover of um <laughs> what's it called um they do a cover of a disco song in one of their albums it's really bad, um, just because the guy does not the guy does not play along. He is uh, dead dead monotone. But yeah, I mean that's just the way they do it. Um, yeah, but he does, and you can't blame him for that. That's that's what makes him cake. But yeah, I mean, I really I really like all those aspects about them. That's kind of why it's one of my favorite albums to just put on and chill to. Is and we're gonna get to you know we're gonna get to the other albums in a second, but yeah, it's one of those albums where especially if you're willing to ignore, you know, some of the lyrics or some of the tone, you can just kind of just sit back and enjoy it. Um, just the silliness and the strangeness of it. I mean, Satan is my motor. It's like it's just kind of. I want to say that is a great starting song. Yeah, that's that such a great good starting song. Uh, I, I really like that song. That's one of my favorite songs. Also, where do you, where your fingers go is just one of my favorite right. songs in general. I was like, oh, when you yeah. Where do you, yeah? Where do your fingers go? Oh, I love that song. But anyway, that song is hilarious. I, I, I want to say my least favorite song, and ironically and kind of funnily enough, is Mexico. I hate that song. I just can't what? get behind it. I think it's so slow. It's one of those songs where it's too slow. And like nothing catches your eye, nothing. Excuse me, your ear. Nothing catches your ear, and the lyrics are just so straightforward. And nothing. Sorry, it's not La Cucaracha. <laughs> I'd rather have La Cucaracha. I had a match, but she had a lighter. I had a flame, but she had a fire. And he says that over and over again. It was high, but she was the sky. <laughs> I will say that say the rhymes that they throw in some of these songs are some of the weakest rhymes that I've ever heard. I think that's what I get. Like some... when I hear the entirety of it, I hear like, okay, so you're saying I had a match, she had a lighter. Okay, what are you saying next? I was bright, but she was much brighter. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> that's it? That's what you're dropping? Fucking <laughs> bad beats? Come get, on. They... I'd rather listen to dialogue five times in a fucking row. They do get away with some very uh, iffy rhyming schemes. I, I think that the hymn of your garment, which I loved the, the instrumental for it, but like the the lyrics are just ridiculous. Well, yeah, I don't like you turn the screws in general, but yeah, the lyrics for that song are just particularly bad. Like, I mean, just you're starting out. I'm intrinsically no good. <laughs> I have a heart that's made of wood. 
Yeah, it, it's not. Talking it, about the you turn the screws. The next song, "Walk On By," is also lyrically bad. Where he's like, "Yeah, the room where we used to kiss, I walk on by." Except to hang out, I walk on by. Except with that one, you've actually got a pretty good like intonation, so you're kind of willing to be like, "Hey." And I also, I also like the story of that one where you know you kind of like have to move on past something. I feel like ultimately the story itself was great, but the way he delivered it was kind of lackluster. Yeah, that's and that's just that's just due to the lyrics. And again, I think this guy's voice is just so unique and so just kind of like you said, monotone that. I, it needs more emotion. Like it needs, it needs that instrumental or it needs that lyrics. So whenever those fall flat, and not necessarily fall flat, they're just kind of neutral. The song itself falls flat. Anyway, something else has to drive the song. All right. Well, I do, I do like it. I like the album a lot, and I think it's a good album to chill to, and it's a fun one to listen to. But it's polarizing. Uh, I would recommend to our fans. Tune in, look, take a listen to it, find out yourself uh, what your feelings are on it, but highly polarizing. Uh, I will say thank you for picking that song because there are a couple, of, a few songs on there that I did grow to enjoy and that I would definitely listen to. So. Oh, no. I, mean, I, I appreciate you picking I, I, I was like, I was just like Kevin, where it's like I heard maybe three or four songs from Cake and I'm like, I understand what Cake is. Let's be honest. Even this album didn't really change my idea of Cake, but it did help me enjoy more of Cake because they were a little bit they the instrumentation was what i liked well again i think uh talking about it going into it you know most people think they know what cake is and they they really haven't listened to uh the majority but anyway yeah i do want to kind of move on because otherwise we're going to be talking about cake all night so uh with that done uh kevin let's get into uh lincoln park hybrid theory this took this one took me back because I hadn't listened to this since I was like a teenager. So I never wanted to kill myself this bad in years, dog. <laughs> Go ahead. Kevin. So it was released in two thousand, which blows like, my mind, it, right? It, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it does seem like that long ago. Uh, so initially, I didn't know we were choosing, you know, albums that uh, made us feel good. So, no, 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 no. We we did initially say albums that we enjoyed listening to. Yeah, we were just kind of making stuff up for this one, so it was just albums you like. Don't don't and, worry. Yeah. Don't worry about the details. But anyway. And I almost said Meteora. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I really enjoy Meteora, but I've listened to Meteora way more than this album. And I wanted to go back. And from the moment I put this on. It was just killer. I loved it. I mean, it's that classic Lincoln Park that was good before Minutes to Midnight. Um, I we shit on Minutes to Midnight. Yes, everyone shit on Minutes to Midnight. Yeah, it's just. I mean, as soon as they got into the Transformers movies, it wasn't good anymore. But I mean, I knew all these songs, and that usually like never happens because I just I usually just listen to like one or two songs that come on the radio and call it. But the just, well, to be I fair, mean, a lot of these I songs were hits, man. I mean, a lot of these songs yeah. were great bangers. Yeah, they were killer. I was just loving it on the way to work, listening to this at 8 or 7-something in the morning, whatever it is, on the way to work. And it was awesome. I think some of these bonus tracks I had never heard before. Oh, you listened to the, the bonus end. tracks? What? No. Oh, okay. Bro, we couldn't afford bonus tracks back in the day. I don't care if there are bonus tracks. I've never listened to them. I want to listen to the album the way it was meant to be made. It was like my 
By December, I'd never heard that song for my yeah. high voltage. High voltage and, I guess, Paper Cut Live, which I don't yeah. care for. Uh, I, if it was live, I skipped over it. Well, absolutely. But, I mean, all like all these songs were just killer and brought me back to, like, what, in 2000? Where was I in 2000? Middle school? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's awesome. I loved every second of it. I remember watching some of this shit on, like, TRL. I think, and just like listen to it on the radio, and it was awesome. It was a good time back then. You know, even though the songs themselves are might not be the most uplifting in terms of lyrics, but just listening to them and going back to you know where you didn't care about all this other crap, uh, you know, way back in the day. You know, it was a good feeling. And to just know all these songs and just reminisce, I think was my main point that I'm rambling on about. Uh, loved it. Absolutely. Well, I think that's what makes an album good, right? Is that regardless of what time you're in, it's still relevant to you, right? And I think this is this kind of what me and Logan talked about earlier today because we, 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 uh, we played tennis together and we kind of talked a little bit about the albums. And we talked about this one because... It, it kind of surprises you how it has that element of like angsty teenager cringe to it a little bit in some of the songs and that's because that's I had to look up to see when it came out and you had mentioned it came out in 2000 and it kind of blew me away because all these guys were mid 20s early 20s and for me this sounds like a maybe a little younger than that kind of album because some of these songs like uh, especially the song um uh, what was it the one where he's maybe it's uh, is it by myself where he talks about like I want to run away? Hey, I think you're thinking of run away. No, run away. Yeah, there's literally is yeah. Run, okay. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the fucking titles right here, and I, I didn't see run away. But the one where he wants to shut himself in his room and he just wants to run away yeah. and stuff like that. That just seems like a very angsty teenage kind of song. And I'm like, how old were these guys? I mean, I guess late twenties. You know, they're still talking about their past that aren't too far away. You know, maybe five years at most. So it makes sense, but. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, this is, like, very angsty, like, very teenage. And we were in fifth, sixth grade, so, yeah, early middle school. So this is definitely prime us. I mean, that, that's the one advantage that this album had over the other two that we picked, I think, is that not only did it hit us in the time where we felt that way, but it was also a very emotional time in our lives because we were, in middle school, it's, it's a very transition year. It's, it's just full of a lot of things, to be honest. Um, and this album just definitely like it hits the feel sometimes between you know points of authority talking about you know just like you know sometimes he just wants to do like he's caught between listening to what people are saying and like caring about what other people th- other people think and just trying to not give a shit about it and, and I think their first studio album yes this is yeah this is this is fucking straight like debut album and it's just absolutely phenomenal how much what a debut album it is yeah that was, that was killer that's what I mean it put him on the map like quickly yeah yeah I mean I guess for me um, I love the music I I kind of I adored the music and the vibe they was giving off but uh, it did kind of highlight for me how much I've grown as a person to kind of like because I used to really relate to the lyrics like a lot and now I kind of look at it and I'm like, wow, these are really, <laughs> these are really kind of 
cheesy, heavy lyrics. Uh, these would be stuff that a teenager would sing about. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I've come a long way because <laughs> I'm just I just don't relate in the same way I used to. I don't argue that. I mean, like, I think that's good. Closer to the edge, and I'm about to break. I mean, I think there's. Like, you, you're you're an adult now. You know you're not gonna like beat up somebody or like cut like yeah. just go fucking crazy because someone. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, okay, like, you uh, like run away. You don't need to lock yourself in your room and fucking like be angsty about shit. Like, yeah, or paper cut where it's like you know. Well, no, no. Let's not be honest. Paper cut is a solid song that's still very relatable. When you talk about paranoia and you talk about people that are just kind of like hovering over you and making you feel like anxious about stuff, like that's I, I guess uh, the one I was thinking about was more about the like. Uh, having myself kind of my own personality trapped beneath my skin is like that's a very young mentality kind of thing to have oh, definitely fair enough that's yeah so i get i get it um but yeah i mean it doesn't change the fact that the music itself is good and enjoyable yeah, that's, the, that's the biggest thing with this album yeah. is that the music just hits i will say this has the best like starting like three or four songs out of all the albums where it just hits hard from the well like one step closer with you points of authority crawl. I, it's just so good from the beginning well and I I don't know this for certain but it was kind of interesting to me because I was like I feel like this was one of the first if not the first like really good rock rap crossover kind of music yeah. and that was you mean new metal that's what no, that's mean. not new metal. Oh, it is, is this new metal? metal? Absolutely new metal. This nah, dude. New metal is like uh, System of Down. Mm, later System of Down. This is still new metal. New metal is a very broad range where it has that rap slash hip hop feel, and it's very heavy. And this rap is exactly metal. new metal. I'm not this sure how I feel about. Okay. I mean, I kind of defer to Ozzy's expertise because he tends to know more about this than I do, but. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like new metal. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Well, I think because it was so, um, it was so mainstream in comparison to all other new metal. Because when you think of new metal, you think Corn, you think System of a Down, you think uh, Rage Against the Machine. But this is this more is, like rappy uh, than that. It, but I, it, it's still a distinct thing of new metal, where it's rap with heavy, heavy songs. You have the heavy vocals. You have some non-heavy vocals. It is very, it is very prime new metal, but. It is, it is done in a different way, like you're saying. You are right. It is a little different where it's not as heavy. It has more hip-hop feels to it sometimes. And um, it's definitely done very well. And I, I think that's what drew a lot of people to Linkin Park. It was more um, commercially acceptable than other new metal. Um, and I I mean, I, I was one of them that really enjoyed it. I was like, man, this shit's fucking awesome. I mean, because like, when you think of new metal, it's like you have examples like maybe... Um, Fred Durst, what's his that? What's his band? Like the Durst Limp effect. Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit. Oh, yeah, it's like okay. no one likes Limp Biscuit. No one likes Limp Biscuit. Sorry. Whoa. I mean, we don't like Limp Biscuit. Wait, do you like Limp Biscuit, Kevin? When did this happen? Aren't you trashing on them in the last podcast? Oh, no. They're the absolute shit. I mean, they're absolute shit. Exactly. And then you have Corn, who I like Corn, but it's. Like- it, but it's very polarizing. Corn is not a it's, it's not a band that people are like. Yeah, I love Corn. You know, best band ever. Corn went through a lot of different changes throughout the years as well. Like, but what mainstream Corn sounds like is new metal, just straight new metal. That's what it is. Well, and it was kind of uh, interesting. But you're right. It, it, they they do sound a little different. They have yeah, it's more hip hop. 
the way, this is as close as I was going to get to rap, like, back in the day that I enjoyed. Like, because I still don't like rap that much. And this is pretty much, like, rap, but with, like, well, not really, but it's rock with a little bit of rap to it. Yeah. And I enjoy, I mean, like like I said, I absolutely love this this whole album. Um, well, and I'm sure this is not the... Album, but there's probably, like, one or two that I don't like, but... Well, I think that's what makes this song, this... I think that's what makes Linkin Park in general special, and that's why they've lasted so long, is their duality of having Chester, who is an amazing metal, R.I.P., who is an, who was an amazing, you know, metal slash, um, like, alternative singer, like, absolutely one of the best. And then you had Mike Shinoda, who, you know, had that hip-hop vibe slash production that just sounded great. When you, when you mix the two, you know, you had, I think it was Points of Authority, where he's like, uh, um, where it just started with him, like hip, like rapping, right? Where, you know, like um, he's talking about. I don't really remember what the lyrics were, but he's like um, shame. He's talking about. I think it was points of authority, but it started straight hip hop, and it's like th- that can be like your first introduction to people that are like heavy rock slash new metal. They're like this is your first introduction to maybe something more hip hop, like you were saying, Kevin. Like you don't like hip hop, but this is the closest thing you can get. And that helps you appreciate that because it adds a little bit of distinction between just straight singing with Chester did, even though he did it very right. Well. Yeah, and, yeah, it is a point of authority. It well, and that was kind of what I liked about Blinkin Park when I just started. Was well, first off, if you're as a kid when this music came out, you feel like it's very relatable. We kind of covered that already, but also like when I grew up, where I was at was kind of like a mixture of like. A magnet school that was also kind of in the ghetto and what people liked about Lincoln Park was pretty much everybody could listen to it you know black white whatever anything in between you could yeah you, people just enjoyed listening to it because it was kind of like y'all said it kind of crossed over the streams so it was an interesting style of music and it's still very enjoyable I just uh you know I would be remiss to say that like I don't think that uh I necessarily agree with all the lyrics the same way I did when I was a teenager, but yeah, you know, that's just things change as you grow older. This album came out twenty years ago, still, still got some bangers for sure. But for sure, absolutely banger. Well, I, I will say, I was saying earlier that it starts off very well, but the only negative is I think it ends kind of weak. Yeah, um, I agree with that. It just it goes well, it pushes solid. me away. Cure for the itch. Isn't it cure for the itch the instrumental? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, okay, so well, it has a few things on the intro, but then it becomes an instrumental. Yeah, yeah I, I, I drop think, off after like a place for my head. The last exactly. three are, are weak, but everything in front of that. Well, I think it's because everything in front of it is so strong. That's the thing. You're, that, you're right. It just starts so hard, and then it kind of dwindles out after that. Because like you could have put like Cure for the Edge like in the middle, like around track like four or five, like before crawling or run away and you'd been okay with it like as a nice break the fact that they put their what i guess we're agreeing on two or three weakest songs at the very end it just makes it seem like they 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 petered out yeah and i mean you know all right as a nice break you're right instrumentals are usually saved for in between heavy songs and i don't think it was a very good decision to put it at the end like that because like you said if you think about records, you know, you usually put it in the middle because that's usually when you flip a record. But in this right. case, they didn't do that. They put it at the very end, right before Pushing Me Away, which I think is still their weakest track, 
you put it right before one of your weakest track, which happens to be your end track, I think it's it kind of it's you really built bad. To nothing. You you like yes, yeah, so you all this waiting for a weak track, and it, it just feels like you've wasted. Yeah, and, and maybe track. it's because I really really enjoy Pepper Cut one step closer and with you, like all those. And then my favorite song in in the end is by myself, and that is the perfect like in between song because that that is the song that that accentuates the. Chester Bennington's singing because he sings well and he like does the metal slash screaming screamo very well and that is that is my favorite alright well uh, it's about time we move on to the final uh, album of the night so Ozzy why don't you tell us about Melophobia by um, Cage the Elephant Melophobia is Cage the Elephant's third uh, studio album um I was always a Cage the Elephant um, fan because when they first came out, they were they were kind of your general kind of rock um, uh, band, but they were a little punkish too, so it helped add a little extra dr- drive to their to their music. So when their first album came out, I was a big fan. Their second album was uh, I think it was called like Happy Birthday or something along those lines. Thank you, Happy Birthday or something like that. And it was a little bit more experimental. But I feel like they, they didn't really know what they were trying to do on that one. I think Melophobia was the... Every band has their peak. Every band has their um, their their cream of the crop. And I think this is when everything kind of melded for them. So I think this is why I really enjoy this album. It's not too long. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, a lot of the songs are three to four minutes long. And it, you, you, there's a good diversity between... You know, kind of experimental slash um, heavy songs, and sometimes you know, kind of straightforward songs. So I think that's why I picked this album because I really like to listen to it because I get a good diversity of sounds. And I like KG Elephant. They had some good features on this, and they had some good singles on this as well. Yeah, I'm not. So I'm not sure how accurate this is because I did like a little look up, but it was more like a skim over kind of thing because the Wi-Fi is out at work. It's up and it's up and down. (laughs) Um, but anyway, uh, you know, they got like ransomware attacked, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, point, point being, um, I did, I kind of looked into it. It's, it looks like, so melophobia, as, uh, Ozzy was keen to point out in our previous text messages is not the fear of Carmelo Anthony. It is actually the fear of music. And it sounds like, based on the description of the album, they kind of locked themselves away for a few months, the band as a whole did, in like a cabin to kind of get away from the ideas of music, to kind of come up with something unique. I don't know that they necessarily succeeded, um, because I don't think it was... This was completely unique music. But it was definitely different from what they had put out before, so you could tell it was kind of like a they came up with something that was certainly unusual for them. And that was kind of what I liked about it. I came into this expecting more of a kind of rocky, yeah, rock punk vibe like I had heard out of Cage the Elephant before. And this was, for the most part, a very relaxed uh, kind of chill album. Now, that that doesn't mean there were weren't any good rock songs in there. But it was a very much more kind of, they stretched out the songs, they kind of gave them a lower vibe, and they 
dropped the intensity a little bit, and I, I kind of enjoyed that. It was unexpected, but in a good way. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't know anything about the background, about the band, about them kind of taking away. Well, I did read that they didn't interpret melophobia as the fear of music. They interpreted it as the fear of making music. And I think that that's a difference because, like you're saying, they kind of like throw it away and tried to do something different. And maybe they had this whole like paranoia of like, hey, we can't do things the same. And I can understand that because you're right. This isn't a unique album. You know, these sounds are nothing that I have never heard of. But for them, it was a little different in these in the trajectory that they had made from the first two albums. Yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite album. Uh, I would be lying if I said I remembered most, if any, of the songs. But I do remember that I enjoyed it, and I would probably listen to it again. Just uh, depends on what opportunities are provided to me. Uh, Kevin, what were your thoughts? Um, so, I have a very low understanding of Capes. Uh, I haven't listened to like all their stuff, is what I mean by that. Like, I, I've not been, you know, a fan since day one. The only, the, I hear them on the, the, I'm like, yeah, they're pretty cool. And the biggest, like, experience I had with them was when we went to the, the Batman Cage, the Elephant concert, which I went for Beck because I'm pure white bread. And, uh, so, you know, listening to this album, it was pretty interesting. Like, I enjoyed it overall. I, I mean, I think I liked everybody's albums. I could see why they all chose them. And I think that everybody's albums are pretty indicative of their personality. I mean, I could see people, like, each everybody choosing their album. Yeah, um, um, but that that being said, I mean, like, so this one kind of expanded and contracted my thoughts on Cage the Elephant. Every time I would listen to a song, I would think about him on stage and how his because he does a, a very unique but very entertaining performance. If you ever see them live, definitely, uh, definitely a accurate statement. Unique and entertaining. Um, so it was nice to hear some of the more like the songs that I'd heard you know like Cigarette Daydreams and Come a Little Closer you know I'd heard those a lot and you know it was nice to revisit those and then kind of go into some of the other ones that I had not heard like they, they start out with Spiderhead which was oh, a really song. really good song actually I you know I enjoyed it but you get lower or later in the album you get to like teeth like that one was just fucking weird, man. Like, oh, I love teeth. <laughs> so that is the longest song on the album. Well, okay, so I, I don't, I don't count the last two minutes where he's talking. Don't count. Yeah, that, I talk, I talk. I think just about the music. Him talking does not count. I was gonna say if you cut that part out, it would be a much better song. But I mean, that's just part of Casey Elephant. I think is that him, the, the the talking and doing that kind of deal where he's just kind of go out and do this one tangent that you know that's just part of that band um you know i that being said i really enjoyed the album um i was a little skeptical at first just because of the style of music that they have is a little well, out this, there this was before they were really weird i think this is when they started getting weird but this is like i said this is when all their weird thoughts kind of like came together well after this they kind of didn't know what they were doing 
After this, they had an album which was really middle of the road, and then they had the one where they released and they got really weird, and that's when you kind of got to see them live. Like, this was when they started doing weird, but they did it well, and then they kind of just kind of went off the deep end. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't argue that this is a weird album, because, I mean, between Spiderhead and Teeth, I, I mean, that's all the evidence I need. On that. Oh, dude. We're really talking well. about being able to feel his teeth, which, like I said, the very beginning of the song, great. The stupid two minutes of the end, ridiculous, cut it out, not necessary. But that being said, how many times can I say that? Um, it's it's a nice mesh of these weird high energy songs and then these kind of slower, smooth songs as well. Like Cigarette Daydreams awesome. That's that's a, you know that's a great song. I mean, and even come a little closer, even though it's a little driven, it's still very smooth because yeah. it's just bass driven, and it's just it's just it kind of gives you a break because Spiderhead starts off kind of extreme, and then you yeah, get it's very strong. And then it, it, you're right. The, there's a lot of like back and forth between a little like aggressive songs and then kind of like a little smoother songs, and that's and why I, I like that. Yeah, and I think that they did it right with the mix. I think. Yeah, I mean, going back to what we said before, where, you know, Linkin Park kind of put their weakest songs in the middle, or at the very end, uh, this gives you a nice mix in between these weird, off-the-wall, high-energy songs, and then, like, something a little more relatable to the general public, um, a little less strong, and by strong, I mean, like, the energy that's in it, a little less energy more melodic songs that kind of bring you back in only to kick you back and it's a it's a nice ride throughout throughout the um throughout the album i think it's i think they did a really good job on the album that's coming from someone who was you know kind of iffy on cage elephant before and i think you know i only speak highly of this of this album i think it was really nice well and i also that's why i picked it because it like they just perfected everything and it's not a perfect album it's not the best album I've ever heard, but when it comes to Cage the Elephant, I think this is the best thing they've ever made. And I really enjoy it back front to back because, like you said, there's a lot. They, they, they set up the album well. A lot of the songs are straightforward. It's not... And, that, and it, that's what, even though it was kind of weird, it was still Cage the Elephant because it was still rock, kind of punky, kind of straightforward. Three minutes, you get the song. There's no, re- there's no, there's no like extra bridge. There's no extra chorus. It's just straightforward, and you get what they want to talk about. And it's straightforward. I mean, like, I think Inspirehead is one of my favorite songs because it starts off, and it's like, you know, it's talking about, you know, all these crazy things, but it, in the chorus, it talks about... You know, everything's going to be okay. I know that in the end it'll be all right. Like, it's just a very straightforward song that it's you a, can relate to. Where, like, it's a song about, crazy, it's a song but, about a know, bad drug trip is what it's about. Well, that's, I mean, that's also true. But, I mean, what do you expect from, you know, music, music musicians, honestly? But yeah. no, I mean, I, th- I liked also Kevin's comments because it kind of pointed out to me something I hadn't really thought about before. I know, Kevin, you're not really familiar with the other Cage the Evelyn albums, but this is probably the most accessible album that they've put out. I like their first album a lot, but it's very... A lot of it's very in-your-face and kind of loud, and it gets in there. And that if you, is, that if, is the other album I do enjoy is the first album, but I think it's very one-dimensional. Yeah. It, it's, their very, it's their debut album. I don't think they realized what they wanted to do as a band yet. 
Yeah, but I feel like this is the most accessible album, and I think it's the album that most people will enjoy because it's not... It's not too crazy. It's not too one-dimensional. It's very easy for any person to kind of pick this album up. And even if the lyrics are kind of strange, that's, that's a trend with all the albums I pick, think we picked was that the lyrics are kind of out there. Is that, uh, you know, this is a, it's a good, it's got good sounds to it. And it's hard to put down. Why did you pick it up? I will uh, say, like, all, all our albums had distinct feelings to it. Like, I had a very chill album with the cake album. I had a very angsty slash aggressive feel with the uh, with uh, Lincoln Park and with this album I had a very kind of like strange kind of like all over the place feel to it. I feel like it was a, a good diversity. I just want to loop back uh, to the, you know the Cage the Elephant where they you know Ozzy mentioned that they, they they get in they get out they say what they're gonna say and you know that's that's just the end do. of the song. But yeah, I was like, that's the. Re- I think that's the reason I don't like Teeth so much, is because they have such a great way to say what they need to say about you know in, in every song that it feels like they kind of cheated a little bit to put this very kind of political kind of self-serving ideal at the very end of this song and why not just take all those feelings and ideas and put it into another three minute song I mean even if it was a slow they could have made it an interlock honestly they could have made it a separate song that you could skip it felt I felt cheated because of if you could talk about feeling your teeth and having spiders in your head and you're going to talk about population critics and, you know, not having a voice and things like that, that's something you could make into another song. And I, and I think that's my main thing. Everything else, great. Like he said, you know, big hits, going in, talking about it. But then that just, that one weakness kind of stands out. I love Teeth. It's very... You know, it's a weird lyric thing, but yeah, the end. It's it's no, it I agree. Irks, it, is, it just irks me. I, it really, when I first heard that part, it blew me away, not in a good way, because I was like, "What the fuck is this? They're not known as a preachy kind of band." And this is what I get, even though it was kind of the same thing. It seemed kind of out of place for this for the band no, and for the album. They're not. Yeah, but I mean, it just it just felt weird in general because that. Uh, up until then, it was straightforward, like it, like I was saying, and just that song just kind of drug on. And I really, the reason I like Teeth is because he's talking about feeling his teeth. He's talking about, you know, that 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 some kind of anxiousness that he feels, and the way the song sounds, it almost feels like grinding teeth sometimes. And it's just like I feel that in the way the song is written, but it just the ending I skip every time, and it bothers me when I have to do that with music. I mean, it brings me back to my point, is that they have all of these tools that they are very well-versed in using. Like, you know, like you said, you can feel your teeth, and it feels like you're grinding your teeth. They've, they've done a very good job of portraying what they're feeling in, in the music, and they've taken this one opportunity to give you a talking interlude. Yeah. I... Maybe this is just me, but I kind of thought it was like a, uh, well, because the whole thing, the whole thing with that song was it was kind of like about his uh, feeling his teeth. And I guess the way I took it anyway, was kind of like going into 
surgery to have them dealt with. And I think the whole point of that was like the after effect of that surgery and how everything is kind of strange and fuzzy when you're coming off of, you know, like a root canal or something where you're like, everything's kind of blurry and kind of messy. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. It It's it's also just kind of in their nature to make, uh, you know, kind of like with Beck, to make songs that are, let's go with creative yeah, that's that's a good word for it. Well, I think I think you're right. Crazy, it's a word because I think oh, this this album is a little mishmash with sounds. Um, it's not as coherent as like Lincoln Park or, or Cake is, right? Because like Cake is very straightforward. Even Lincoln Park is very straightforward. I mean, you may have the the change of you know aggressive slash new metal songs, and then you may have you know uh, in the end, which is not very new metalish at all. But it's still very straightforward in the way they they bring themselves across and Cage the Elephant sometimes it's just like our, you went from one end to the other end I mean but I still think they did it well but it's just sometimes you get that extreme yeah, I, I, I don't want to I do want to focus on it but it's I think it speaks to their ability more when we focus on this one thing that stands the fact that they did so well in the rest of the album to portray you know, their feelings and, and the sounds and things like that. And, and, you know, it's, I don't want to take away from my thoughts on the overall album because it's, it's literally a part of one song that we're hyping or harping on right now. And, I mean, the rest of the stuff is, is great. And I will, you know, I got my Spotify premium now. I'll definitely keep it on there. There's a lot of these albums that we listen to here and I take them off immediately after I'm done listening to them. But this is, you know, a great album, and you know I will definitely continue to listen to it. It's it's a very I don't want to say moving album, but you know it, it evokes feelings. Yeah, um, it evokes that, thoughts and feelings, and I think that's what they were going for. You know. Yeah, you know it's 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 you know I don't want to downplay and say it's good, but I don't know what else to say about it. I, Go listen to it for yourself. Make your own. Uh, yeah. I would say that too about all of our albums. Again, I mean, we're kind of wrapping up here now, so I think that's kind of the bottom line. Is I think we all enjoyed every single one of these albums, probably for different reasons, obviously. But yeah, I would say if you're listening and you are curious or you haven't heard one of these albums before, go check them out because I think every single yeah. one of them is good in its own right. Yeah, I can agree. All these albums are very good to listen to in their own right. And you're going to get different things with each one. So I think you definitely need to listen to each one of them because none of these bands are the same. None of these bands are even close to the same genre. And you'll get a good <clears throat> diversity with listening to each one of them. Um, and, I mean, even if, the even if like like I said earlier, that the cake one was just a little long and I didn't necessarily like the monotone feel of it the entire time, I still enjoyed listening to it as a whole because... I think I like the diversity of their sound, and that's something that you don't necessarily get with like Lincoln Park, and you don't get the same sounds with you know with uh, Casey Element. You're not going to get that like twang slash country slash maybe a little bit of you know like uh, poppy feel to it with with Casey Element. So. so, oh, also I looked up what that song was. I was thinking of earlier. Cake covered "I Will Survive." It is one of the weirdest covers oh, I've. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> I've, it's one of the weirdest covers I've ever heard. <laughs> Again, that, 
that song is all about emotion. That guy shows no emotion in his singing. That's why it's so that weird. Absolutely zero emotion. That's it's, what the thing I hate about. It's absolutely it's yeah. It's a very strange one. Anyway, all right, y'all got anything else? Uh, if not, we're gonna call it a day. Yep. No, I mean I think it was a good, I think it was a good experiment to, to listen to albums that we really like because I think we all had a good time. I had a good time reflecting on a hybrid theory. I think it was great. Oh yeah, that took me back. Yeah. This was probably one of my favorite podcasts, even though we were not able to get together because that would have just been the cream on top. But uh, you know, I got to... like a white Russian. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we, we all got to talk about, you know, our some of our favorite albums that we, we all picked, you know. And uh, we all got to try liquor drinks that we all enjoyed. I mean, we went into this talking about things that we knew we enjoyed, which, you know, is always going to have a better feeling than going into, into the unknown, I guess. But, you know, it was really nice to, I mean, to go... I like to ramble about alcohol. Uh, if our fans haven't picked up on that, and uh, but you know it was you know it was nice to switch it up and kind of talk about something different and be able to share these ideas and stuff with with you guys. So it was nice. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean I agree. I, I, yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. Like this is not the unknown anymore. This is something that I I actually Melophobia is one of the albums that I hold to myself in the last, you know, 10 years, and maybe more than that, I don't know how long it's been since it's been out, and like, Hybrid Theory hit close, and you know, Cake is something I know, the band I know about, and you know, so it's just, it was definitely different to look at it from a, I understand this album from the get-go, you know, kind of feel. Well, it's also, about it. it's also kind of as you get, I guess as Kevin was touching on, and you touched on in a bit. Uh, I don't want to get too like touchy feely about it. We're dudes. We're not allowed to be touchy feely. Touch all over me. But uh, yeah, I mean, these are albums that we all enjoyed for various reasons, and they kind of had uh, different impacts on our personalities. I guess is one way to think of it. So yeah, when you get into something that you really care about, it's good to have somebody come in and be like, "Yeah, I like it too. It's good." But uh, is probably one of our longest podcasts. Uh, Going on an hour 30. So, uh, with that in mind, I think we're going to call it a night. Uh, Thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe, and all that jazz. And And go listen to these albums, for sure. Yeah, definitely go listen to them. Y'all have a good rest of your night, and uh, take it easy out there. Stay safe. Bye, everybody. See ya.